the dream I predict is not going back to Europe in 2025. And the fantasy is going to Europe in 2025 instead. I got to say, I think you're right. I hope you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And this week's is a special bonus episode. Big, big, fun episode here, Sam, because the first part of the episode is going to be 2025 itinerary release, right? Yeah, woohoo! So Disney released their new early 2025 itineraries. I guess we're about two days beyond the itinerary release, right, Sam? That's correct. We are... A couple days after itinerary releases, but also a couple days before these new itinerary for early 2025 go on sale to uh, Castaway Club members and then almost an entire week, I think, before they go on sale to the general public. Yep. And we'll get into those on-sale dates and all of that good stuff here in a minute. Uh, I also want to highlight this is going to be a two-part episode. So when the itinerary release wraps up, you won't be hearing the outro music you normally would. We'll throw our ad read there. But then uh, we have got a trip report from our Halloween on the High Seas cruise. It's a short one. We just wanted to focus on some of the Halloween on the High Seas activities. And uh, special guest star Nathan will be back to talk about his first ever experience parasailing at Castaway Key. So you're going to want to listen to that one if you've got kiddos out there who might be interested in a little thrill-seeking shore excursion at Castaway Key. But first up is early 2025 itineraries. And Sam, I think we've got to start with the vegetables here, Sam, and uh, give folks some quick info on when they can book these itineraries. We're going to talk about them here for a few minutes. But just so you know, when you can start booking, book Booking is going to begin on Monday, October 30th. That's this Monday for Pearl Castaway Club members. And then it'll follow in pretty quick succession. Tuesday opens up for Platinum Castaway Club members and Golden Oaks residents. On Wednesday, Gold Castaway Club members. So Wednesday, November 1st, Gold Castaway Club members can book. Thursday, November 2nd, Silver Castaway Club members can book along with Disney Vacation Club members and Adventures by Disney Adventure Insiders. So you can call the book or book online on November Thursday, November 2nd. General public will have to wait until the following Monday, November 6th. So you've got a week from this Monday to uh, pour over these itineraries and figure out what you want to book. But Monday, November 6th to the general public. So that is the booking windows. We, of course, always encourage reaching out to your favorite travel agent to book these itineraries. And our favorite travel agent is over at My Path Unwinding Travel. So remember, you can use them to help support the show. But Sam, normally we'd have Karen here to suss these out with us. Uh, our fabulous show sponsor, but it's just the two of us today because you are traveling in New York. I am in Seattle. It's very, very early uh, over here because I've got a full <laughs> packed day with Nathan today. But uh, Sam, I want to throw it over to you to start talking about some of the substance behind these itineraries. So what yeah. are you seeing? What are you seeing sleuthing Sam? Yes. So I, I have some definite important things that I have sleuthed out from these itinerary releases, but let's start with the things that aren't changing. Um, which is really the Disney Wonder. So we know the Disney Wonder in uh, right now, actually, in October 2023, is currently over in Australia. They just landed there or just arrived there. And they're going to basically be doing the same thing in 2024 into 2025. So we know that there's going to be Trans-Pacific between Sydney and Honolulu at the 15 night that uh, that is on this itinerary release. There is also Honolulu to Vancouver for nine nights. There are some Mexican Riviera sailings from San Diego as well on the Wonder. So basically everything that we see on this schedule for the Wonder seems consistent with the 2024 and 2023 schedules. 
that those will sort of carry over to the 2024-2025 schedule. So we know the Wonder is going to be doing the, you know, the New Zealand and Australia season. And then we know the Wonder is going to be doing some San Diego stuff. And the Wonder is then going to be doing Alaska for the summer. So really no changes with the Wonder. But I, think we're pa- I think we're passing over some big points here, Sam. One, uh, like fireworks are going off in this household right now because the Wonder is indeed back in San Diego. We aren't stuck with the magic. So we'll be able to get back on board the Wonder. Not that the magic is a bad ship, but we adore the Wonder here personally. So we were a little nervous. We might not see any ships in San Diego next year. And now it's confirmed that the Wonder will be there for a spring break, uh, you know, couple month stint to do spring break cruises on the Mexican Riviera. Yes. The only thing, though, I have to say is she's going to only be in San Diego for, as you mentioned, a couple of months. It's really going to be the spring break sailings from part of uh, March through April into, I believe, very early, uh, early May, because then she's got yeah, to go up not, to Vancouver. But that's not new. That's that's how it always was. I think we we were concerned we wouldn't even see her in San Diego at all. I think the sailings sure. that she's setting up now are fairly typical. Maybe they would start occurring in, in you know, the, the March time frame, you know, maybe some in February. But in February, typically, the wonder was over in the... Um, in the Caribbean or doing sailings out of like Gallison or New Orleans. So I think this is a win. I think it means that they are going to keep coming to San Diego. Uh, I did want to call out, you called out a couple of the repositioning cruises, the four night and five night Pacific coast uh, repositioning cruises, one in May, one in March, most uninspiring itinerary. It continues to be a super uninspiring itinerary, no stops in San Francisco, no stop in Astoria. It is basically straight up the West Coast, stop in Victoria, and then Vancouver. And while Victoria is a fabulous city, I think Disney really, really misses an opportunity to make these itineraries interesting with a stop in a place like San Francisco for the day and that iconic sailing uh, in and out under the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. And one one other thing we aren't going to see, obviously, in this release schedule is any Panama Canal cruises because Obviously, the Wonder is staying on the Pacific. She's not going to be going through the canal at any point during this itinerary. And she she may or may not be uh, probably not likely at all in 2025. Yeah, I, I have a feeling it's uh, it's going to continue to be what is it, the magic that's going to make that Panama Canal trek and then uh, do some of the very maritime sailings out of San Diego. Potentially, there's there is a potential that we won't see a ship on the West Coast for the very merry time uh, in 2025. That's that's possible. They could keep the magic sailing out of like Galveston instead. All right, let's talk about uh, not the wonder, Sam. What's going on with the... Let's start with the Disney dream. I think it's kind of, uh, you know, wah, wah, wah. It's doing yeah. its thing. So the Disney dream, as we kind of expected it to do, is going to continue doing these 554 sailings from uh, Fort Lauderdale. There are now some some good uh, itineraries. We've got a lot of, you know, stops to Lookout K. And we even have some cruises here that will stop at both Lookout K and Castaway K. So, sorry, Key, I always say. And now I'm saying K. I don't know why. But anyway, we do have some uh, some cruises here that are going to stop at both, which I think are you know certainly unique. But she's going to be sailing out of Fort Lauderdale, and that appears to be pretty much through the end of May. The other two ships that are so, just just to pause for a second, Sam. I think I saw someone say that there were about thirty double dip Lookout K, uh, sorry, Lookout Key, Castaway Key sailings uh on this release and it's it's yeah yeah yeah, there's a lot of them which i I will say is a bit unexpected for me uh because i really thought that they would send these ships to one or the other uh but it looks like there's a ton of sailings that are going to go to both absolutely there's some on the fantasy 
There's some on the dream. Um, there's some on the magic. They are not on the treasure or the wish, I think. Um, and so speaking of the treasure and the wish, uh, I think that's the next area we want to move to because these are two also not really surprising itineraries, right? The wish is going to continue with her three, four schedule. Uh, there are no gaps in the wishes schedule. There also appear to be no gaps in the treasure schedule. Of course, we had the treasure schedule already from the previous release, but we've got a, a little bit um, more clarity that the treasure, in fact, will continue uh, doing the seven night Eastern Western alternating itinerary with stops at Castaway Key. So really no changes um, as we expected in the wish or the treasure, which brings us to where the, I would, I'll call these the two more interesting ships uh, because their itineraries are more interesting, the magic and the fantasy. So the magic is going to be traveling around. Let's put it that way. The magic's doing some, some sailings out of Port Canaveral. The magic's going to do some sailings from Galveston. And I believe some, I'm not sure if they're on this itinerary. Oh, some out of, yeah, out of San Juan, Puerto Rico, and repositioning at some point to Fort Lauderdale. So she's going to be doing sailings out of Fort Lauderdale as well. So the magic's got probably the most variety in sailings as far as, you know, dates and ports that she's sailing out of and ports that she's sailing to. And we've even got on the... But, but Sam, there's one port she's missing. Yes, which is New Orleans. Yeah. So that's the one. Yeah, I would agree, Brian. That's a good point. There is a missing port on this schedule for the magic um, that, you know, we know she's sailing to uh, this coming year or this past, I'm sorry, this pre this past year, uh, which was New Orleans, and we are not seeing New Orleans on the schedule for 2025. And we would normally see New Orleans sailings in February and March, sort of alternating between Galveston and New Orleans. So it looks like for 2025, we're not going to see anything out of New Orleans. Hopefully, New Orleans will be back on the schedule in 2026. Yeah, not not alternate. I would say she goes to New Orleans for a little while, and then she goes to Galveston. They don't sail back and forth, but sure. Um, uh, or actually, sometimes it's, sometimes it was she would go to Galveston for a little while and then end up in New Orleans. But right, regardless, and then back to Galveston usually. Yeah, sad to see New Orleans off the list here. Like I will hold out hope that it returns because I think that is such a fun port to sail out of and such a fun time of year to try and sail out of New Orleans and such an iconic sail away, being able to sail out the Mississippi River Delta and into the uh, into the Gulf of Mexico there. So. Sad to not see it on this release. Um, I think right now, though, we've got to expect a lot of weird uh, in these itinerary releases as Disney starts to slot new ships into the fleet. And so, uh, you know, we've got another ship coming online here in you know a couple of years that will have to hit some of these ports as well. So some of this stuff where we're missing ports today may be temporary uh, and they may return. Uh, some of it may be permanent. I don't know when the lease on the New Orleans, uh, you know, terminal access there expired uh, with Disney or is expiring with Disney, whether they intend to re-up it or not. Uh, I don't know if those sailings are sailing, you know, full or, or you know, booking well. Uh, so this could be an opportunity that Disney's taking to end uh, the sailings out of New Orleans. But man, I sure hope, I sure hope not. So yeah, yeah. So the last ship that we haven't talked about, which I think is the most interesting to talk about, not necessarily because of what she's sailing, but because uh, Sleuthing Sam has some predictions about the fantasy based on the schedule. So let's talk first about what the fantasy is going to be doing. She's going to be actually still sailing out of Port Canaveral 
for these early 2025 itineraries. And we've got three, four, and five night itineraries on the fantasy. Uh, Some that are just going to be going to Castaway, some that are going to be going to Castaway and Lookout Key. um, And of course, uh, also Nassau is in that rotation. So three, four, and five night itineraries. And for those counting at home, that means three ships in Port Canaveral which is not normal (laughs) for them to have three ships in rotation in Port Canaveral. I haven't looked, Sam. Have you been able to suss out, are there going to be days when there's two ships in Port Canaveral? There are. So on, I believe it's Fridays, there are going to be uh, both the fantasy, and I don't know if it's every Friday or every other Friday. I can't remember. I did look at this more closely, but I just can't remember uh, how often it's going to be. But there are going to be days where both the fantasy and the wish, because remember the fantasy, remember the wish is in port on, on, what is it on Fridays and on Mondays, right? So yeah, so the wish and the fantasy will be in Port Canaveral sometimes on the same day on Fridays. So they're going to have to be use, utilizing another terminal, not just Disney's uh, dedicated terminal in Port Canaveral. Presumably, the wish will stay at the Disney's terminal, and the fantasy will be at one of the uh, you know terminals next door. Yeah, they're using Terminal Eight, Terminal Ten. So you know, I, I do have to credit Scott Sanders did a write up on this a couple of years ago about Disney's plans to have three ships kind of rotating through Port Canaveral, and the current plan is uh, when there's two ships in. They'll use 8 and 10. I can't remember which one is their dedicated terminal off the top of my head. That's 8, yeah. But the other one is directly, I think, to the right if you're looking at Port Canaveral, so or the the Disney terminal. I think it's the one that's directly to the right. But anyway, they'll be using those two terminals. If you sail during the COVID period, you you will have encountered this as well. We were docked at the Disney terminal on the Fantasy, I think it was. And I think it was the Wish or the Dream. No, it had to be the Dream. The Dream was docked uh, across from us at one point. So so anyway, they have a plan for this. Uh, It just means some of the sailings won't be going out of the Disney dedicated terminal. Yeah. So do you want to hear about the big news, Brian? Well, I think everyone wants to hear about the big news, Sam. I've already heard it. So, you know. (laughs) Okay. So I should should caveat this with this is speculation. This is sleuthing Sam. Sleuthing Sam. This is sleuthing Sam's predictions. This is not something announced by Disney. Nothing confirmed. Okay. So what I'm seeing in the schedule is that the Disney dream is staying uh, out of Fort Lauderdale through right now the end of May 2025. Now in 2024, she heads over for transatlantic to Europe on May 5th. Um, which is absent from the Disney Dream schedule, right? She's continuing to sail out of Fort Lauderdale through pretty much the end of May. However, on the fantasy schedule, we have an end date of the Disney fantasy in Port Canaveral. Her last sailing that is on this itinerary is May 1st through May 4th, which means the Disney fantasy on May 4th, this is my prediction, will be starting a transatlantic sailing over to Europe and will do the European sailings for 2025. That's my my prediction. And part of my prediction is based on the fact that the Disney fantasy is due for dry dock in 2025. And if we look at the 2024 schedule for the dream, she goes over to Europe within the, you know one day of when the fantasy schedule is open, and she does all of her European sailings. And then the Disney Dream in 2024 has a dry dock in September before she does the transatlantic back to the United States. So I'm predicting that the fantasy is going to basically do this exact same thing in 2025 because she's due for her dry dock. 
So that would mean on May 4th, she would head over to Europe. She would do the European sailings. At some point in about mid-September, she would do her dry dock over in Europe. And then in October of 2025, she would sail back across to the United States for the, the transatlantic. So that's my prediction. I think that's really the biggest news out of this itinerary release. The dream, I predict, is not going back to Europe in 2025, and the fantasy is going to Europe in 2025 instead. I got to say, I think you're right. I hope you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't hope you're. I don't hope you're wrong. I think it would be great for the fantasy to go over to Europe. I think it'd be great for the European market to experience yet another ship from Disney Cruise Line. And frankly, I think the fantasy in my book rates higher than the dream. Uh, so I think it'd be a great ship to head over there and let them, you know, experience over in the European market. But man, after all the difficulties they had getting a new crew up and running in Europe and the difficulties we've heard from people who've come through the show doing trip reports about long lines at terminals, unprepared terminals, you know, I mean, yeah, just having a bigger ship in Europe is harder. We know that. Yeah. And, and I know people are going to be like, well, it's not even that it's that the crew you send with the dream now is kind of already gone through that. Right. So they're going to have another year of that under their belt here. Not too soon. I, I look, I suppose Disney could redeploy the entire crew that was on the dream in Europe over to the fantasy. I don't know. Uh, but my 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 experience with Disney Cruise Line is a new ship in a new place equals difficulty. And so, um, you know, I, I am excited if it happens, be cool to see it happen. But man, Disney, work out those kinks because we heard a lot of people come on the show and come through the show and say that it was just not great <laughs> at times. Yep, so agreed. Yeah. Brian, now I think the last question that we need to answer because people are going to ask us and people already have started asking us is, Hey, DCL Duo, what are you booking from this itinerary release? And oh, I, I thought you were going to answer... go with. I thought you were going to go with the question we've already gotten over text message from our friend this morning uh, about whether they're going to send two ships to Europe. Oh, I well, I think that answer is no. I, yeah, I don't okay. think there's. I don't think there's a reason to have two ships over in Europe. The demand in the United States is big enough. It makes it so. You know, in the summer season, we will have, you know, the wonder will be, of course, in Alaska, the wish and the treasure will be out of Port Canaveral, and the dream and the magic will be out of Fort Lauderdale with the fantasy over in Europe. So that all makes sense to me. So that's that all ship, all six ships accounted for in the summer of 2025, based on our predictions. But the question of what are we going to book, Brian, um, I think we can answer and say, so much. so much, we're doing a back to back nine night, 15 night, uh, no. I'm looking at several <laughs> of these double dips to uh, Castaway Key. No, no. no the, the answer, actually, the answer is this. We're already booked because Correct. we're booked on the treasure for our son's spring break in April doing an Eastern Caribbean cruise. Uh, I will say the only thing that I would look at here is whether I would move our treasure sailing over to like the Wonder out of San Diego, both to... One, the cost is going to be less on the wonder. I already feel like the treasure is overpriced, which, you know, that then opens the door to us being able to sail in concierge again on the wonder, which we love. It's our favorite. Uh, but uh, one oddity on the wonder sailings out of San Diego that's really bugged me is that she's in port to, on a Friday and then, you know, midweek the week following to make the seven night rotation, which for spring break is not great because you don't want to set exactly. sail on Friday. You want to set sail on like Saturday at the earliest. So, Exactly. The one thing I the one thing I will say is, you know, she's got some Catalina sailings on her itinerary and oh, we love super, Catalina Island. Super yeah. 
Super excited to see Catalina staying on the destination list for the Disney Wonder while she's down in San Diego. What a fun port stop. If you've not experienced it and you've been eyeing sailing out of San Diego, run, don't walk and book one of those cruises because I think Catalina is a great, great port stop. Absolutely. Um, yeah. One one thing someone pointed out to me uh, separately online and just to fly for our listeners, uh, there are no stops in Mazatlan next or in 2025. And so there is a seven night Mexican Riviera cruise on the Disney Wonder, uh, which we're getting ready to take a very merry time slash Thanksgiving version of that sailing and are super excited about it. But that sailing for us would stop at Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan and Cabo. And right now that seven night in 2025 is stopping at Puerto Vallarta, Cabo and Ensenada. Uh, and I'll tell you, Ensenada, not one of our favorite ports to stop at. It's it's fine. Lots of people have fun there. Uh, we treat it more like a, a sea day uh, when we go, typically. Uh, but interesting to see Mazatlan dropped from the port list uh, for that seven-night sailing. Uh, the person I was talking to on uh, social media was suggesting that it might be because of some safety concerns out of Mazatlan of late. And so... Um, Disappointed to see potentially that port go, although I can't really comment on it too much because we're going to, we may be the last people to visit that port of Disney Cruise Line, Sam. Yeah, I don't we'll know. see. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we see. we'll see. Hey, I got to give a shout out to Craig, who is DCL Cruising Family on Instagram for helping me look for gaps in the schedule. I didn't have as much time as I would have liked to look for gaps in the schedule. And that's why you'll hear there are no uh, expected DVC charters or DVC member cruises that we're seeing in this itinerary release because there are no gaps in the schedule other than which is not when the not surprising nothing Correct. new is Time nothing of year. yeah, yeah nothing nothing new is opening here i suppose a dvc member cruise was a possibility but those charter cruises are really reserved for new ship new uh, you know, new private island, that sort of thing. So exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. And we've already got that there. They already got that scheduled on the magic for 2024. And so there's really no reason to have one in 2025. So we'll expect to see a DVC member cruise either in the summer or fall itineraries, which I think is generally just more typical for DVC member cruises anyway. So yeah, no gaps in the schedule, except for what I pointed out where the fantasy schedule ends earlier than the rest of them on this itinerary release. Yes. Yeah, so big, big shout out to uh, to Craig, also Vanessa Prince, who uh, both both of them auditioned for the role of Watson to Sam's Sherlock and my Irene Adler uh, in the uh, <laughs> in our Facebook group. So thank you for pointing out some of the things we've been discussing here today. Uh, I also want to send a shout out to Leslie uh, over at Trips with Tykes, who was messaging me about the Mazatlan uh, port stop that I just didn't even realize had dropped off the itinerary list. Uh, list. So so thank you to all of you for for that. And for all the folks who uh, commented on some of our posts online, um, I want to I wrap things up here with one final comment that I, I noted out of this itinerary release because it's more of a, an op-ed moment for me, which is just in early 2025, really the only way consistently that you're going to be able to sail on Disney Cruise Line on a seven-night voyage is on the treasure. Uh, and I know that there are a couple of, you know, certainly some longer cruises on the Wonder. I don't think that the, those are super accessible or well, well-priced well or easy to get to. Yeah. Um, there's the seven-night Mexican Riviera out of San Diego, which is always a fun, fun option. But beyond like some repositioning moments or a special cruise on those ships, I think that there is three seven-nighters, two on the Magic and one on the Wonder. 
that are available to book and then you know some longer ones that are special the the reason i'm 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 highlighting this is given the pricing discussion around the treasure uh i'm a little sad for disney cruise line fans right now because the treasure is not an inexpensive sailing uh, it's not like she's replacing the fantasy price wise in these itineraries and i would love to see disney cruise line keep one of the original fleet ships doing seven night rotation cruises in the Caribbean as a more affordable option for people to the treasure or for fans who frankly, I hear it all day, every day on social media. I don't want to sail on these new ships. Now, for those folks, you're you're on a path to expiration of your relationship with Disney Cruise Line. It ain't changing. They're going to keep building bigger and bigger and bigger ships. And the design decisions are the design decisions. I Fingers crossed that if the magic and the wonder or when the magic and the wonder retire, they might replace them in some way. But I doubt it. Uh, I think when we talked to Scott Gustin, he had the same idea that it's just going to keep like the industry trend is bigger, bigger, bigger. So out of this itinerary, at least a little disappointed they didn't keep one of the original ships like the Fantasy Sailing Seven Night Sailings, even if they moved it down to Fort Lauderdale to do those sailings, um, because I think they could have priced that in a way that would have opened the cruise line to more people sailing those longer cruises. Uh, I suspect it's just not in the cards. I suspect that, uh, you know, look, they can see the treasure sales numbers. I'd be curious to hear what they're thinking internally about those numbers. It probably wouldn't help if they opened up the fantasy for seven night sailings in this itinerary release to sell more uh, on the treasure. So anyway. All right. So with that, uh, Sam, thanks for joining us all the way from where Well, you're not even in New York now. You're in suburban Maryland, I think it is, or uh, Delaware. Maryland. <laughs> Maryland. <laughs> Maryland. Sam was sending me pictures of crab cakes yesterday, folks, uh, and uh, it did not compare to the, what I was having for dinner. So um, so thanks, Sam, for joining us all the way from Maryland. Can't wait to have you home uh, in a couple days. And for everyone else out there, we're going to head right into our Halloween on the high seas uh, trip report, uh, focused on the Halloween on the high seas aspects of that sailing. And of course, stay tuned to the end of the show to hear Nathan's thoughts on parasailing. Thanks, everybody. We will be right back. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo so they know we sent you their way thanks my path unwinding for sponsoring the show and with that back to our episode Welcome back, everybody. We are sitting inside of Epcot today, having just disembarked the Disney Wish this morning off of our three-night Halloween on the High Seas cruise adventure. And just wanted to do a quick little bonus show here with some of the highlights out of the Halloween on the High Seas offering. I think we've covered the Wish plenty and folks know what the offering is, but 
uh, wanted to talk about some of the special things they do on board for Halloween on the High Seas. I'm going to hand it over to Sam because she did a lot of the uh, Halloween on the High Seas stuff today. I'm going to cover a few things I noticed that are a bit different uh, this time around on the Wish itself, unrelated to Halloween on the High Seas. But uh, Sam, you want to start with uh, some of the stuff you got up to on Halloween on the High Seas? Sure. I'll start with night one. On night one, embarkation day, we had the, I'll call it the pumpkin lighting ceremony. So on the Wish, they have a pumpkin tree called Boo, and they do a whole story uh, thing before they light her up. Um, However, right before that, there was a special edition of Who's Behind the Curtain. For anyone who's been on The Wish before, they do this little game show thing at the uh, stage in the Grand Hall called Who's Behind the Curtain. And it was about 10 or 15 minutes before the pumpkin lighting. So there were a lot of people already gathered in the Grand Hall waiting for that. They did a special version of Who's Behind the Curtain. And the um, spoiler alert for those of you going on a Halloween on the high seas on the wish the uh individual characters that were behind the curtain were the sanderson sisters so clarabelle minnie mouse and daisy duck were all dressed as the the three uh witches from from hocus pocus and they came out and they did a whole dance routine uh which was super cute and then following that uh the pumpkin lighting or pumpkin tree lighting ceremony began which was basically storytelling by two of the um, uh, I forget what they call them, but basically two of the the stage actors uh, retold the story of the pumpkin tree, um, which this pumpkin tree is a special Cinderella themed one. And uh, at the end of that ceremony or storytelling, she lit up. So that was sort of the the only Halloween events that happened on night one. Night two was just a regular pirate night uh, and obviously a regular night for dinner because this was a three-night cruise. We did not have the pirate menu, so that was Nassau Day. And then night three was, oh, call it Halloween night. So that was Castaway Key Day. And there were several events that took place that day um, so that were specific to Halloween. There were, of course, some Halloween-themed uh, you know, game shows and, and trivia, I believe. There was one uh, Halloween-themed trivia. But the main thing was... Was the deck party, which was the Mickey's Mouse Carade party, which was is a fun uh, deck party with all the characters coming out in their costumes, and it's really more of a dance party than anything else. I loved the new costumes. There were a lot of uh, the Fab Five characters plus Daisy plus Chip and Dale. Um, most of them had new costumes. When I say new, meaning different from what they've had in previous years. Uh, they also had opportunities to take pictures with the characters in their Halloween costumes that night, and three times across the cruise, there were opportunities to take pictures with the Sanderson sisters, meaning again, Clarabelle, Minnie Mouse and and Daisy Duck dressed as the three sister witches from Hocus Pocus. So those were the the main uh, Halloween events. There was actually a trick-or-treating event that was advertised. It was at 5 p.m., so before their dinner. But it wasn't trick-or-treating like we've seen on the other shifts where you go around to several stations and pick up candy and sort of fill your bag. It was really you went to one station and they handed you quite a full bag of candy. And so that was really it for trick-or-treating on The Wish. Now, there were a lot of folks dressed up for Halloween uh, last night on the which the last night of the cruise, because that was the theming of the evening. But there are plenty of people like me who were not dressed up. Um, Nathan wore his Fix-It Felix costume, so that was his uh, theming for the night. All in all, the events for Halloween on the High Seas are, you know, they're still there, but they are, I would say, understated. There's not um, a ton of different events every day. It's more like, you know, events 
I'd say twice on, across the cruise or, or on two nights of the three night cruise. Brian, did you want to talk about some of the other things that have changed on the wish? Well, I think you got to talk about Oogie Boogie too. You didn't mention Oogie, Oogie Boogie made an appearance uh, on the wish. And so, yeah, Sam, tell folks about the Oogie Boogie bash for adults only, by the way. Yes, I forgot to mention on the third night of the cruise, which is Halloween night, they had Oogie Boogie's, uh, I believe it's called Oogie Boogie's Nightmare Villainous Bash. It's like at 11 p.m. It starts off in the hideaway next to the Hero Zone and then continues in the Hero Zone. In the hideaway, there is a summoning ceremony to summon Oogie Boogie. And then next door in the hero zone, everybody moves into that location and Oogie Boogie appears and he's been summoned and he comes down and does a little bit of a dance party with the adults. We uh, got to experience that actually on our on a four-night cruise in August. So it is offered, I believe, only on the Wish right now and normally only offered on four-night cruises. But it appears that on the Halloween on the High Seas sailings on the Wish, it's being offered both on three-night and four-night sailings because of the Halloween theming. So it's quite a fun experience. Um, if you have not got, gotten to see Oogie Boogie uh, in person before, he's kind of a fun character and he will dance with the audience. So that's kind of fun too. All right. There's just two things I wanted to chat about. One is I want to get Nathan on here to talk about his first time parasailing at Castaway Key. So we did get him signed up for parasailing. He was a bit apprehensive, I will say, but because we were on board with some friends, uh, shout out to the Morals. Uh, their daughter also tried to do parasailing for the first time this time around, and she went up ahead of him and had a blast. And so uh, he, I think, had a really good time. But I'm going to talk to him about that for just a second. So let's cut over there. All right. I am now joined by special guest Nathan, who makes us the DCL Duo Trio or the DCL Duo Plus. He was with us on our Halloween on the High Seas cruise, of course, and wanted to get his thoughts on a couple of things. Nathan, first, let me ask you actually about the Halloween on the High Seas. Did you like the Halloween stuff that was on board the cruise ship or was it just okay? It was just okay. What what, what would have made it better? Maybe if they didn't give you a giant bag of candy on the first thing you did when you went trick-or-treating. Yeah, I think Mommy highlighted that trick-or-treating wasn't really moving from table to table getting candy. It was just getting a bag full of candy that was already made, yeah. Uh, did you like any of the shows they had on board for Halloween, the, the pumpkin tree and that kind of stuff? Well, I didn't really see the pumpkin tree, but the deck show wasn't really my favorite. Was it too loud or did you just not like it? Just not very interesting for me. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to say sometimes when you've seen one Disney deck show, you've seen all the Disney deck shows. But uh, yeah, it was fun to see the characters in their outfits, though, right? Yeah. Do you have a favorite Disney character in their Halloween outfit? Pluto. Well, I, look, I'm most excited to talk about parasailing. Nathan had never been parasailing before, but said he would do it on this trip. I think, were you a little nervous about parasailing? Yes. What made you nervous? The fact that I didn't know you kind of slowly rise up. Oh, that's right. On the boat, you thought that the sh parachute was just going to like suddenly open up and drag you off the boat as opposed to you kind of being lifted out of the boat. Yeah. So for those who haven't been parasailing, you do it on a small boat and they have a parachute hanging off the back and the parachute is already opened and has, you know, it's caught the wind and you sit down and get harnessed in. You can be harnessed in front and back. So sometimes the larger person will sit in the back and the smaller person will sit in the front or sometimes they do side by side so that you're on a longer bar and you're sitting next to each other in harnesses that are kind of like 
swings. You're kind of swinging on the harness uh, and they have you sit down on the deck and then they slowly release a rope out. So you kind of lift up off the deck and then into the air and then continue your parasailing adventure. So Nathan, was it um, was it scary being on the boat? It was scary on the boat. Why? Because of how shaky the boat was and it was kind of hard to balance if you were standing. Yeah, so you had to stand up to get your harness on and get into the uh, the parasailing, get, get roped into the parasailing harness. Did that, did that Was that scary? Not scary, off-putting. Off-putting, like awkward basically? Yeah, because it's very hard to balance, especially because they don't have that beam in the middle at the part where you get strapped onto the parachute. You wanted to go last, as I recall. You wanted to see everyone else do it. Was that a good strategy or should you have gone first and just so you could have experienced it and not been building up anxiety? Good strategy. So you liked it. You liked seeing how other people were reacting to it? Uh Uh-huh. What did you think once you uh, you got harnessed in and you were sitting on the deck of the boat? Still nervous or at that point were you starting to get excited? Still nervous. When did you get excited? When I started lifting off the ground. All right. And you and did you feel safe in the harness? Uh, yes. How was it? Was it comfortable? Yes and no. What's the no part? That you have to hold on to the rope because like it, your hands start burning from holding on so long. Well, you may have been you may have been white knuckling it as well, holding it really tight. But yes, yeah, so you sit in the harness and then you have to hold some straps that are above you. What were you not supposed to touch? The eject clips. <laughs> that's right. So you're connected by a carabiner and they, they tell you before you start, just don't touch the carabiner because that's the ejection button. Uh, in reality, I don't think if you if you touched it, you would like automatically fly out, but it's certainly a risk, so they tell you not not to touch the button. What did you think when we were up in the air? Did we get pretty high? Yeah. What did you think? It was fun. What was your favorite part? Was it seeing the ship? Was it just floating around? Floating around. Was it was it loud up there or was it peaceful? What how'd you find it? Quiet. Quiet. Yeah. Did you so you had a fun would you do it again? Yes. And in fact, you got to do it again, right? Because when you got back down, they left you in the harness and asked your friend Ellie to join you, and you both got to go up for a second trip. Yeah, that was shorter than than an actual parasailing trip because they because they didn't have enough time for a full one. They just had enough time for a short one. Yeah, and they also didn't send you up as high, I don't think, as uh, as you went the first time. So but that was really nice of them, right, to send you up to uh, for a second uh, a second go. Yeah. So big big shout out to, I think it was Vaughn and EJ who were on our trip for parasailing and uh, who let the kids go up for one more time. I got to ask about one last thing, Nathan, the dip. You didn't want to do a dip. So for those out there listening, when you're parasailing and they're bringing you back in, if, if you ask nicely, at least at Castaway Key, they will slow down a little as you get really close to the boat and let you just take a quick dip in the water and then bring you right back out. Nathan, you didn't want to do the dip though. No. Because you, you were nervous about it? Yeah. But did you do the dip? Yes. And, and the funny thing was, when I was up there with Ellie, when they did the dip, I think they overshot a bit because like, it w- went up all the way to our knees. <laughs> but did you like it? Yes. All right. So you do parasailing again? Yeah. And would you try it in other places? Would you try it not at Castaway Key? Do you think you'd try parasailing someplace else? Maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, there you have it. The kiddo's perspective on parasailing. A pretty adventurous kid here. I'm pretty proud of Nathan for for giving this a shot. And I'm even prouder that he he liked it and he had fun with it. And he's going to probably try it again. So thanks, Nathan, for coming on. Bye. 
All right, we're back. So for those little ones out there looking to do some parasailing, uh, it is a really fun activity, as you just heard from Nathan. And uh, he is both adventure seeking, but also fairly conservative in uh, what he gets up to. So the fact that he really loved it, I think, is a good sign for those of you thinking about trying to get your kids to do a little fun activity of parasailing on Castaway Key. Um, the only other thing I wanted to cover is disembarkation on the Wish has changed. And I don't know if this is true across the fleet in Port Canaveral or it's just on the Wish. Uh, but we did notice this time around that instead of getting off the gangway and heading into the terminal and then tapping your key card off. They had brought the key cards uh, readers onto the ship and you were being asked to tap off at the point of exit of the ship. And then once you got on the gangway, it was just smooth sailing from there. You basically just walked down into customs, got your luggage and were out the door. Uh, it was pretty fast for us this morning to get off the ship, although there were some lengthy lines building up. We got off rather early because we needed to make it over to the parks and we just, we don't usually stay for disembarkation breakfast. Um, but they did have us tap our cards at the station right before the gangway and then head off on the gangway. We've heard that this is because um, they really don't want to be trying to send people upstream of a crowd of people coming off the ship if there's something you know, they need to take care of on their account before they can disembark. So like if an account has not been fully paid, when you tap, it's not going to let you tap off the ship and you have to go back on the ship to deal with your account on board with guest services. And it sounds like that was creating some friction in the system. If you've seen this happening on other ships, we'd love to hear about it. It's the first time we've encountered it on the Wish. I don't know if they're just trying it out for now and they may revert back to the old system down the line, but just alerting folks, you might see that on board. I do think it can make the crowds a little bit bigger on board because it didn't seem like they had as many people there to tap people off as they might in the terminal. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to fully count, uh, but uh, just you know, know that that's there in case you experience some added delays at disembarkation off the uh, off the wish right now out of Port Canaveral. But with that, we're going to get back to our day at Epcot. We're just going to go ride a little Guardians of the Galaxy, and then it's time for us to head back to Seattle. And uh, yeah, so it was a fun trip, a short trip. I don't recommend the three night cruises uh, at this point. I think we're about three night cruised out uh, post COVID. We're going to be uh, sticking to the seven night cruises probably from here on out in terms of our our Disney Cruise Line adventures, they just seem too short. I don't know, Sam, do you agree? I agree. I would also say, while the Halloween on High Seas theming is fun, um, it's kind of, um, I wouldn't book that cruise just because of the Halloween on the High Seas theming. It wasn't a ton of stuff. And when you're on a three-night cruise, it's kind of what there is, is jammed into that short period of time. So not my favorite itinerary. Glad we got to, you know, go on Halloween on the high seas, though, on the wish. And I'm also glad that this time around, we decided to kind of relax and take it easy and not run around and try and do a million things. So that's what we did this weekend, I will say. So we don't have, um, a, you know, a ton of activities to report on this cruise. Uh, but I did make sure to hit the highlights. And of course, next up for us is a fabulous Thanksgiving cruise, uh, which we're really looking forward to on the magic here in less than a month. Uh, so really, really looking forward to that and uh, spending some more time with the Morrill family, actually. So and super excited also that it's a very merry time sailing down to the Mexican Riviera with a couple of ports we haven't been to before. So more to come from us soon about our cruise line adventures. But for now, we'll just say see you next time. See you real soon. Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find 
find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL duo. Good night. Good night.